And then later, they were doing this holiday special. And there wasn't much involved, our involvement, but I came up with the idea, why don't we take the Boba Fett character and put him in that? Make him... We celebrate a day of peace, a day of harmony, a day Because of the following special program, Wonder Woman and the Incredible Hulk will not be presented this evening. Friday, blast off to a galaxy far, far away. It's the Star Wars Holiday Special, starring all your Star Wars favorites. Will Chewbacca get home to his planet in time for the big Wookiee holiday celebration? Watch and find out. Then on Flying High, the girls put it on and take it off. You know what? What? I don't think either one of us is going to get much sleep tonight. Join us for a far-out Friday, beginning at 8, 7 Central and Mountain. Gabe. This week, we are talking about the holiday special that could have been the early version of the holiday special, how the holiday special came about. It's a bit of a mystery. No one really knows. It's all rumor, secondhand information. One thing we do know, though, is that I feel like, especially this year, the holiday special has become more accepted by society than ever. They were selling Life Day glowing orbs at Galaxy's Edge. Like Starbucks made like Life Day mugs and stuff that you could buy at Galaxy's Edge. I don't think I ever could have predicted that this kind of day would come. No, it is kind of amazing when you think back to, you know, its shady history of being something that you only saw on some shady VHS tape that somebody bought at a convention from under the table or something. And and then it's slowly kind of becoming more talked about. And then with the Mandalorian coming out and Din having the gun from the holiday special and them talking about the holiday special in the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, I agree. It was like, it was weird to see people talking about and celebrating Life Day and they're actually not just being like the normal 
Star Wars weirdos who are talking about it, that it is kind of something that people are aware of. And it does seem every year more and more likely that we might get a more or less official version just because now that Disney plus has the whole vintage thing, like who would have thought the Ewok movies would kind of become a real thing that people are able to see and talk about. And the holiday special is kind of the only thing left that's still kind of uh, lurking in the shadows of star Wars. If you wanted to right now, you could go sit down, turn on Disney plus and watch a double feature of the great heap and the battle for Endor. And just be like, I'm watching some Star Wars on Disney+. Plus. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that would have been unimaginable. Just like I would say even like two years ago, that would have been unimaginable. So Anakin said, maybe dreams really do come true. And I think he might have been speaking the truth. That was the thing, too. When the Under the Helmet documentary came out, there was just seconds of really, really cleaned up holiday special footage of lumpy turning on the thing to watch the Boba Fett cartoon. And there were quite a few people who were like, wait, 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 wait a minute. That's like, that's super cleaned up. Like the holiday special has never looked that good. There were people thinking maybe on life day, the holiday special was going to suddenly show up on Disney plus it didn't happen. But yeah, I would say it's only a matter of time at this point. It's probably going to show up at the most random point, like the middle next summer or something, just like out of the blue. Oh, what? The holiday special is now on Disney Plus in like 4K or something. I feel like the only thing that could maybe slow that all down would be if there's there's always something with like music rights or music licenses. How would you feel if it came out on Disney Plus, but all the musical numbers were removed? Is that trade-off worth it? So those are the kind of questions that keep me up at night. But would that be would I be okay with that? We'd be talking about the Diane Carroll and we'd be talking about like the sky on fire. Yeah, the Jefferson Starship part. Is it the same without it? I think there would be so much outrage. <laughs> I don't think that is the true holiday special. So if we have to wait for these these rights to clear and for everything to get sorted out, then I, I'm fine with waiting. Well, and I guess you could say for a lot of people, too, watching it without the commercials from 1978 isn't really the whole experience either. So like most things Star Wars, there's varying uh, levels of what is uh, what people will put up with and what is what is the true experience for people. Well, just like the history of the holiday special in general, our, you and me, our history of the holiday special is pretty great, too. Do you? So we've told this story before on Blast Points, but it's worth telling again. It's episode 292. Who cares? We can tell. We're telling stories, but at this point, I don't think there's anything left new to say. We watched it for the first time together. Do you, How much of that night do you remember? I don't think I remember any of it. <laughs> <laughs> other than it not at all being what i expected because that was after didn't we get it at the men behind the mask thing is that when we got it yes yeah, so we show up at this the men behind the mask convention in dearborn michigan there was one table with a guy selling star wars like rare vhs tapes i bought a tape of a compilation of toy commercials surprise surprise so I was like, oh, my God, this is like two hours of old Kenner commercials. And I remember he was like 
do you have the holiday special? And I think my answer was, what's that? Yeah, that I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, it was the Star Wars Christmas TV special, and it's got Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher in it. And I was like, you're joking. And he got it out. It was 20 bucks, And I was like, let's do it. And then, so, yeah, we spent the whole rest of the day at the Men Behind the Mask tour. And I think I remember telling you, like, when we get home, when we drive all the way back to Grand Rapids, we've got to watch this tonight. <laughs> it's almost to the point where we were only half enjoying being at the at the convention because the real treat was going to be when we got home. We could finally see what this uh, mysterious tape was. Yeah, and I think our first reaction of watching the holiday special, we were, we were like so pumped. But I think it was like everyone's first viewing of the holiday special where it went from, look at this, it's Chewbacca's family, to where is this going? What's happening here? Oh, my God. What's going on? <laughs> How long have we been watching this? 45 minutes? It's felt like 45 hours. But the beautiful, magical thing about the holiday special is that goes away. At least for me, it goes away to where now it's just like a warm blanket. It's it's like anything Star Wars. It's like, oh, I'm just going to watch five minutes. Oh, wait, I got to wait for this part. Oh, no, I got to wait for this part. And next thing you know, 90 minutes has gone by and you watch the whole thing. Our friend Phil Sostak was talking about on Twitter the other week about how watching the complete holiday special from beginning to end is harder than than people think. And I was like, you know, it's not that hard. I've done it a lot. It's like exercising. At first, you know, you want to die, but eventually you still want to die, but it's easier. <laughs> yeah, just, just stick with it. Have a good time. It helps if you've seen it a lot and you know kind of, okay, now we're in the middle and now we're getting to the end. And if, you know, just stick with it. It's a good time. It really is. And I do. I, I think it's the shock. The shock of the first time, maybe even the first 10 times watching it, there's just a shock to it not being what your mind thought it would be. And even if you heard about it before you see it, you can't really describe it. People, you have to see it to understand what it is. And once you come to terms with that, yeah, it's a good time. I would even go so far as to say it's a great time because I genuinely love the holiday special for exactly what it is in all of its weirdness and all of its late 70s variety show bizarreness and it's if you get to the middle you get the the story of the faithful wookie you get to the end and carrie fisher sings a song and yeah in all its outrageousness it is in some ways actually paced pretty well because there's you know you wait long enough there's there's some some highlights and they're spread evenly throughout the uh throughout the thing again really if you can appreciate nothing but Wookiee dialogue for like the first 40 minutes. Once, once you get into that, then I think you can make it through the rest. Yeah. Weirdly, that's like the hardest part, <laughs> which should be like the, the easiest thing because like, as someone said to me, do you want to watch Wookiee dialogue? Nothing but Wookiees speaking, not English. It's like, of course I do, but really it's difficult. It is. That's like the hardest part to get past. Well, and I think that's why that part gets easier the more you watch it, because you start to understand what they're saying instead of, you know, the first couple of times, like, I don't know what's going on. I don't understand this. But it's like that. Uh, what was that movie with Antonio Manderas? Was it like the 13th Warrior or whatever? And they're just at the campfire and everyone's like in languages you don't understand. And then they like 
time progresses and all of a sudden everyone understands each other's languages. Remember that? <laughs> Do you remember that movie? Yeah. 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 That's a holiday special. Eventually you understand Wookiee and it's no big deal. Star Wars Holiday Special, sponsored by General Motors, people building transportation to serve people. special wasn't always going to be the way it is now. It originally started pretty differently. And I feel like most times, weirdly, when we see George Lucas now in officially released stuff, for some reason, he's always now just talking about the holiday special. It's true. Well, and that brings up, there's a great quote from him in the, the Tashin Star Wars archives book where he says, I hate to think about people out there obsessing about the holiday special. I spent more time talking about it than I did working on it, which is probably true. I know a lot of the things where he's like talking about it now, it was, there was the thing in like the, the Mandalorian season two behind the scenes where John Favreau was like, well, you wrote it. And he's like, no, I didn't. And then on, and under the helmet again, he was just like, I didn't, we didn't have anything to do with it. Which is true from a certain point of view. Originally, and this is what we're talking about in this episode, originally, he was more involved. And there is proof of it. You can kind of figure that out. And I think this is how I first started thinking about this years ago. With There is lots of Ralph McQuarrie and Joe Johnston holiday special art out there that has nothing to do with what ended up on screen except for the like Chewbacca's family and like the interior of like Chewbacca's house that Macquarie kind of designed and the, the matte painting of the outside of the house, that's all there. But there's all this weird art of like chewy and lumpy, like in space looking at stars, like floating around on like chairs and stuff. And it, you kind of get the sense of like, well, what is that? And what were they basing that off from? Right, because when you go back to that stuff, it it starts to feel like a normal Lucasfilm production where, of course, they're going to have Joe Johnston, they're going to have Ralph McQuarrie, they're going to do some concepts, and that's going to kind of inform the direction of, of where this thing is going. And, you know, you wouldn't think you would bring the big guns out for something that at least initially didn't start out maybe more official or important than it ended up. So that's the thing that's like, where did the holiday special come from? I think the one leading theory out there that makes the most sense is that it came from like a marketing perspective, really, that 
it was going to be a long time between Star Wars and Empire and 20th Century Fox really wanted something to keep the Star Wars name out there. And Kenner wanted something to really sell toys because we remember the, the Star Wars toys didn't come out until a long time after the movie had come out. And people were kind of nervous that by the time Empire came out, are people still going to care? I mean, there were like the, the reissues of the original film, but having a TV special was a whole different thing. There was a thing that Star Wars toys took off after the Donnie Marie show with R2-D2 and C-3PO. And they were like, hey, this Donnie Marie show thing worked. What if we did like a whole Star Wars TV special of nothing but Star Wars? Well, and if you think about it at the time, why not? It hadn't been made yet, so it was just in people's minds. This could be great. This could be amazing. Why not put Star Wars on TV? Yeah, I'm all for it. <laughs> I mean, it's still true to this day. Why not put Star Wars on TV? It's great. That's all we're talking about now. Let's talk about Star Wars on TV. It actually works better than you would have thought in 1978. Like Charles Lippincott said that the idea came from CBS. His quote was that CBS brought the idea of doing a TV special to him and Lucas. There was some dispute about that claim. But yeah, Pablo said at a FanX convention, yeah, in September 2018, that the idea did come from Fox. Um, I guess it, as a little bit of background, we should note that it, it's hard to find a lot of reliable information about the genesis of a holiday special, who started what, and when was this original inception. Some of the most recent conversations that I heard George talk about it was that it was the studio, in this case 20th Century Fox, uh, that had asked them, so when's the next movie after Star Wars came out, because they were really excited. And he said, oh, about three years. And that apparently terrified them. Uh, they were trying to make the point that no one's going to remember Star Wars in three years. Obviously <laughs> <laughs> Don't you realize, you know, people aren't going to remember this? So they convinced George to do something. Now, whether or not, to what degree the holiday special was defined at that point, I don't know. But that was sort of what got the ball rolling in terms of getting Star Wars onto television in some sort of way in 1978. George Lucas said in an interview in Empire Magazine in 2009 that Fox said you can promote the film by doing a TV special. So I got talked into doing the special. Yeah, which... Follows up with, uh, I believe this is from the newest uh, interview with Lucas on it in the Tashin book. He ends the interview with the lesson was, don't let anyone talk you into anything. Which again, yeah, it's interesting that no one really wants to take responsibility for this thing. No one wants to stand up and be like, yes, it was because of this reason and we did it and we're going to stand by it. So then again, we don't know how this thing really came to be, but we do know that there is this five-page outline, which is not from CBS. So it comes from Lucasfilm. It's from, what, May 1978. It's like we don't want to say that it's from George Lucas, but let's consider the facts. It's from Lucasfilm. It's 1978. It's Star Wars. I don't think there's anyone else who would have been, okay, I'm going to sit down and give an outline of a new Star Wars project during that time besides George Lucas. And this is what Macquarie and Johnston were basing a lot of their artwork on. I think you can safely assume that this five-page outline is from George Lucas. Well, and there is more evidence 
to the fact that this is that outline because there are multiple interviews with writers, uh, Leonard Rips and Pat Proft, who were brought in to write the original script. And they talk about, they basically spent the whole day in a room with him. Lucas asks, how long is a TV movie? They tell him, they write down that time on a piece of paper, and he says, let's plan what happens for every minute. In the Tashin book, uh, it says Rips and Proft wrote a five-page outline based on Lucas's notes, and this outline is five pages, and the Tashin book goes on on the next page to basically give you a summary of these five pages. So it all kind of lines up to where it makes sense that this is Lucas's ideas translated through Rips and Proft in 1978, the purest version of the holiday special that exists. Well, I'm like, what else was going on in May of 78? Lee Brackett had just passed away in that March Empire was due to begin filming a year from then in March of 79. They did not have a script. If you go back to our Lee Brackett Empire episode from a long time ago, it was the bare bones of Empire were in there, but nothing close to what ended up on screen. Lucas just finished his second draft of Empire that really kind of was pretty close to what the movie finally became in April 78, just a month before this. In June, he brings in Lawrence Kasdan, takes him off Raiders, brings him in to start working on Empire. But I think one common thing going on with a lot of that between the Lee Brackett before this and bringing in Kasdan is Lucas still is kind of getting comfortable with the idea of handing these things off to other people, assuming he can just kind of let go of stuff and let people kind of run with it. Well, it all kind of makes sense, too, when you think about that he wanted to be involved, but based on what was going on at the time, he probably literally only spent that one day working on it. Like, he may have thought about it on his own, but it sounds like that one day with the writers was, that was the day he had scheduled to work on the holiday special and then was off onto other things, and they probably checked in from time to time, but, you know, that that was the brain dump that everything kind of grew from. And it's it's pretty fascinating, though, because you can look at, like, the Lee Brackett Empire draft and the holiday special of being kind of like Lucas, like, well, here's my general ideas. And then these other people just turning in their version, understandably so, of what he was saying But, like, we now know, we all know, like, what is Star Wars and what isn't Star Wars and what feels like Star Wars and what doesn't. But that was not clear back then. And so other people could be like, well, here's my version of Star Wars 2 or here's a Star Wars holiday special. And I took some liberties with what you said in there. And what's the problem with that? Right. And you can even go back to, like, Lee Brackett's Empire Strikes Back draft and see that process of trying to get someone else to understand what is Star Wars and just looking at the the notes and the the things in that that in hindsight are like, whoa, that is not at all what we would expect Star Wars to be. And again, all of the stuff at this time was like trying to get those ideas out of his head in a form that other people can take over some of the work. And then again, in both cases, with the holiday special and that Lee Brackett draft, it was kind of like those have 
been kind of swept under the rug. Like, don't don't look at those. Don't talk about those. <laughs> because they're so kind of far away from Star Wars and the Star Wars way and the Star Wars thing. But again, that is not how the holiday special began. Because this five-page kind of just exploration of ideas, maybe that came out of the, the mouth of George Lucas, written down by Pat Proft and Lenny Rips. Yeah, it started very differently. And on HolidaySpecial.com, the amazing website, just tucked away in there is the actual five-page outline. And guess what, folks? We're going to read the whole thing. It's very interesting. It's actually, I would say, good. Not that the... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what we finally got wasn't enjoyable, but it really does kind of feel more like something Star Wars. There's a little bit of ridiculous TV show guest star stuff kind of thrown in, but it it has that Star Wars heart that's maybe missing from the actual holiday special. And there's even a quote from from Rips about that where he says he thinks he wanted to make a sweet and sentimental vision of a holiday season. And he goes on to say, I think it evolved into something marginal, which was not what I thought his vision was. And I think, you know, as we go through this, it does kind of start out with, there's a, there's definitely a sweet and sentimental undertone to it. There's nothing on here that says from George Lucas written by George Lucas, you, you know, the Tashin book pretty much infers, this is what this is. But as you're going to hear as we read through this, we're familiar enough with the Lucas touch. And this has the Lucas touch. So what do you say we dive in and explore this May 1978 first pass at the holiday special, the, the George Lucas version? So, yeah, this is five pages. Each page is broken down into sections that are lettered. So it's, it's kind of like an outline, but not really an outline. So starting on the first page, section A. Open on the Wookiee household with Mala, Lumpy, and Old Itchy, anxiously awaiting the homecoming of Chewie. For one day each year, the galaxy celebrates the spirit of life and brotherhood with a festival. This year, it is the turn of the Wookiee planet to host the celebration, and Chewie, as the most noted of the Wookiees, will be the main focus of the festival. This is interesting right away, first paragraph, because it what implies that Life Day is like a, a traveling celebration that it's like the Olympics. Like every year it's on a different planet, and this year it's time to be on Kashyyyk. Yeah, it's interesting that it's more of a galaxy-wide celebration it's not a a wookie specific thing and that kind of fits in with the the star wars idea of it being about everybody everyone's everyone's welcome to the celebration and it being a contrast to the restrictive nature of the empire and Chewie is recognized as a hero from star wars and so it's like okay it's going to be on kashik awesome because Chewbacca had such a big hand in blowing up the Death Star. All right, moving on. As Mala prepares dinner, Lumpy switches through various channels on the wall screen, providing us with some of the above expositional material. 
old Itchy enjoys some entertainment on the hologram table. Okay. Okay. That kind of sounds like what, what ended up on screen. Yeah. That one paragraph is like 70% of the actual, the actual holiday special we got. But again, it's there from the beginning. Uh, moving on to section D, Chewie arrives home and is overjoyed at seeing his family. Han Solo appears on the wall screen to congratulate Chewie on being selected to host the celebration. He gives us the information that the Empire is not in favor of the festival, but they cannot cancel it. It's not illegal, but the Empire would prefer to keep the galaxy split. The more it comes together, the more it would help the rebel cause. Han mentions the starship Musica, which is nearing the Wookiee planet with representatives from all the planets. So Harrison Ford is on a screen inside the house, right? Telling them that the Starship Musica is on the way. Well, and, you know, right away, this is very different because you can see the focus of the special is not necessarily on Chewie's family. And, and it's actually on Chewbacca himself, at least initially here. Chewie comes home immediately as opposed to at, at the finale. And with Han just being on video, maybe they were, <laughs> Lucas was doing his best to keep Harrison Ford from having to be on set a lot. But the idea of Life Day being something the Rebel Alliance would be into because it's about bringing the galaxy together. It's not just about Wookiees again. But yeah, right away, it's like, ooh, what's the Starship Musica about? <laughs> it's, the, it's like the party ship. It's the party train. The Gap Band is in, in control and they're... Dropping the bomb on the planet from the party train. Oh, uh, yeah. I want to hear. Okay. I want to hear more about the, the Starship Musica. We cut to the Starship under the command of a guest star, assisted by R2D2 and C3PO. There is confusion on board due to so many various languages being spoken and so many planets represented. But basically, all is well as the ship proceeds towards the festival. I mean, it's basically the Galactic Senate from Phantom Menace in a ship. You can imagine how cool this would have been because, yeah, we cut to the inside of the ship. 3PO and R2 are there. Oh, we know 3PO and R2. We love them. But there's, like, with all these different languages being speak, it's almost saying, like, yeah, we've got tons of different aliens on this ship, too. Yeah, it's potentially a ship full of... Star Wars greatest hits of Creatures from a New Hope. And it's also the whole idea of this holiday is for everyone. It's not just for one group of people, which is that initial wholesome idea of this. This is for everyone. Star Wars is for everyone. If it's the Starship Musica 2, are they all musicians? Are they all alien musicians too? I hope they were they would have all just been dancing the whole time in the ship. You cut to the ship and it's just a party. Like I'm imagining like a whole inside of a spaceship just nothing but Jedi rocks. Yeah. Just a whole lot of Jedi rocks going on. Like this was somewhere in the back of Lucas's mind the, this whole time. So now we cut back to the Wookiee house. The trader arrives with a lot of merchandise Mala and Chewie ordered on his last visit. And he also brings along a brand new device. The video book. Lumpy is fascinated by the book and wants a demonstration. Part one of the animation uh, says through the point where Darth Vader is revealed on the screen. So from the beginning, there's going to be a device that shows an animated segment. Also, let's think about how much more like fast paced this is and how much more very bizarre 
and weird and Star Wars all this would have been too. Because now, yeah, we're back to the Wookiees. This tri- the Art Carney character shows up with a video book, and now we're into the story of the faithful Wookiee. This sounds great. Well, and it already kind of is, yeah, like you said, it's more Star Wars-y and exciting because it it's cutting between multiple things quicker too. Like, you know, one of the things we we were talking about with the holiday specials, it starts out with the Wookiee stuff and it stays on the Wookiee stuff for a long time. And just jumping back and forth between something else might have, you know, picked up the pace a little bit. So next section is Lumpy begs for a video book. Chewie, distracted in his thoughts about the festival, seems to be abrupt with his child, pointing out that other family necessities prevent the purchase of the book right now. Lumpy rather petulantly goes away, and as soon as he is out of the room, Chewie gets a video book from the trader for a surprise present to his son at the festival. Oh, that Chewie. The old angry dad fake-out move. (laughs) I mean, really, as many things as we have already seen and we'll see in this that are uh, uh, sad that we didn't get. I think Chewie being more of the star of the show is, is a big loss because there's no reason, even with what they had, there's no reason he couldn't have been more the star of the show. But then we would might not have gotten just a framed holographic picture of Chewbacca being put on a shelf. That is true. That is true. The world would be a much different place without a framed picture of Chewbacca in a space frame. <laughs> All right. So moving on. The trader, though folksy and kind, is quite disinterested in the festival. First of all, he doesn't have a family, so he has no one to spend the day with. And secondly, commercialism is prohibited as part of the event, so there's nothing in it for him. He turns down an invitation to stay and celebrate with Chewie's family, preferring instead to keep a sense of distance from the Indians, which I'm assuming is a dated term (laughs) rather dated yeah uh i mean i'm not assuming it is a dated term basically which they have to explain in here not getting personally involved with his customers the trader leaves yeah the the trader art carney character is kind of the han solo of the holiday special him being there too is kind of the same thing with the the Art Carney in the the actual holiday special, where it's kind of just a break where it's someone who is speaking English, basic, whatever, and is kind of interpreting what the Wookiees are saying for the audience watching at home. Sounds great so far. I'm into all of this. Now we're getting into the good stuff. So to relax and clear his mind, Chewie puts on the mind evaporator. We follow as it takes him through impressionistic dream images of what a Wookiee feels is important to his life experience. Wookiees enjoy the beat of rock and roll, and the sequence might feature that kind of group. Soon, however, the experience becomes less joyful and more of a nightmare, as Chewie senses his child, Lumpy, to be lost and in danger. Pulling himself out of the mind evaporator, he finds that his son is indeed missing from the house. Gabe, Wookiees enjoy the beat of rock and roll. I don't think there's anyone else on this planet who would speak the words, Wookiees enjoy the beat of rock and roll, other than George Lucas. See, that's the, and that's the thing where you, you got to go to the big question, where did this come from? Someone had to have said that out loud. Someone had to have thought of this. There is no one else who could have thought of this. And and please 
on my tombstone, please make sure someone writes, Wookiees enjoy the beat of rock and roll. That's what I want on my tombstone. You don't even have to put my name on it. Just that. Wookiees enjoy the beat of rock and roll. People will know. People will know. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's where Gabe lies. There's the the Macquarie Johnston concept art too of what Chewbacca going through the mind evaporator, what that would have looked like. Well, and it's amazing all these years later too that it's basically what the volume is that they film The Mandalorian with. Like that's what it was. Only in your mind, the room turned into wherever you were. But it also has the uh, you know, the Star Wars sequel, it's getting dark here with uh, it turns into a nightmare and here comes the drama. Lumpy is lost, which, you know, a lot of that, too, reminds me of the Wookiee storybook, which was kind of the holiday special part two book. And I wonder if some of the Wookiee storybook kind of came from some of these uh, these original holiday special ideas. Yeah, they do seem very, very similar. And we, we know if there's a Star Wars idea written down and it doesn't get used. It'll get used. <laughs> All right, moving on. There's a general concern among the adult Wookiees that the lost child is indeed in peril. Mala, however, in her motherly wisdom, remembers that the boy was fascinated by the video book and may have gone off as a stowaway on the trader's ship. So, Wookiee kids are trouble if that's just an ordinary occurrence. Oh, he tried to stow it away on a star cruiser. Maybe he's on another planet. No big deal. So it goes on to say, on board the trader's ship, just before it lands at Tatooine, Lumpy is indeed hidden. He finds the video book and turns it on to find out how the animated segment turns out. Second part of the animation to end, basically plays the rest of the animation. The trader, just before he lands, hears the noise of the video book and discovers Lumpy on board. He is somewhat perturbed, but decides when he gets to the cantina, he'll call Chewie, where he intends to spend the holiday drinking with his friends. You know, if somebody offered you, do you want to spend Christmas drinking at the Star Wars cantina, whether it be the real one in the movie, quote real, or Galaxy's Edge, I'd be like, let's do it. I don't care. Let's... Maybe Devil Man's going to be there. Even if it's the empty one in Mandalorian, let's do it. I don't even care. I just like that in the entire galaxy, the best place to hang out is the cantina on Tatooine. Like, they must have the best bands because, you know, I'm sure there's other bars, but he's got to go to that one. It's the best one. It's the place to be. Maybe it's the only bar that bug people hang out. And it's just like, I want to go hang out with the bug people. They know how to party. The UK uglies, they're all there. Let's go. I'm ready to go. All right, so now we're back in the Wookiee house. Chewie uses the computer terminal in conjunction with the wall screen to find out the galactic coordinates of the traitor's ship. He and Mala realize that the ship is headed for Tatooine, but they cannot, of course, guess his actual landing site. This feels also very Star Wars. Yes. This is like Star Wars exposition of, we know where he is, but we can't figure out exactly how we, what are we going to do. So before we figure out what's going on with the Wookiees, we cut to an Imperial base. The Imperial commander is tracking the progress of the Starship Musica 
and tells his aides that the ship must not be allowed to reach the Wookiee planet. Someone must go aboard and sabotage the ship. Guest star Raquel Welch, question mark, volunteers for the job and leaves to intercept the starship. So Raquel Welch, question mark, is playing an Imperial officer who is a spy on the starship Musica, right? Am I, I'm getting that right? Yeah. And remember, the, the current captain of the Starship Musica is another mystery guest star that they haven't decided. Yes. But, yeah, again, who is the huge Raquel Welch fan? Was that George Lucas? Was that the writers? Because this is the only specifically named actor in this script other than the returning characters from A, from a New Hope. Got to get Raquel Welch. Oh, Raquel Welch is an Imperial spy. Why not? I'd say why not? And, you know, maybe Lucas is like, hey, if I get to do this thing, my dream of Raquel Welch as an Imperial spy, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to do my best to make it happen. I'm going to put it, I'm going to write it down in the paper. I'm going to put it in print and see if I can make this happen. I just made the most successful movie of all time. I'm going to get Raquel Welch to be in my holiday special. Why not? Okay, this is getting really dramatic. I'm curious what happens next. Yeah. Yeah. So we cut back to the Wookiee house. Mala suddenly realizes where the traitor is likely to be. She jumps into the environmental transporter, still wearing her apron and carrying a wooden mixing spoon, and takes the ride through space to Tatooine and eventually into the cantina. There, amid the loud music and unsavory characters, she spots the traitor. He's having a heavy drinking session with some of his friends, but Mala sees no signs of Lumpy. Eventually, she tracks him down inside the backstage dressing room area, getting an autograph. Forgetting the limitations of the transporter, she gets up and rushes towards the child, only to walk out of the projection field and find herself back at home in her own kitchen. All right, this is getting super wild and took me a while to wrap my head around what the heck is going on. So it's it's like the holodeck from Star Trek. Mala is running through the cantina from Star Wars with an apron and a wooden spoon. Yeah, and sees Lumpy in the back room of the cantina, which we've never seen before. I would pray for young Tom Spina's mind at that point. Getting an autograph probably from the, the cantina band. Can you even imagine? This is great. This is this is great. Well, it's extra crazy because there's already the mind evaporator, which is like this holographic thing that you see, I guess, made up stuff where the environmental transporter is a similar device, but that somehow you walk around in it and you're like virtually in this other location, but you have a limited Era you can walk around in. It's kind of like The Last Jedi a little bit, only like a technical version instead of a force version. Yeah, it's it's wild stuff. If this would have been what would ended up on screen, the holiday special would be, quote, canon. And all of this stuff would just be part of Star Wars. Like, people would still be working in environmental transporters into Star Wars stuff. Like people be like at the end of Last Jedi, well, did Luke use an environmental transporter? Oh, he used the force to be like an environmental transporter because he needed to move farther than the confines of the environmental transporter. <laughs> he, Luke showed up with an apron and a wooden spoon to go get Ben Solo. Pretty much that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. 
so yeah, this is this is building to uh, to a fever pitch here because now we cut back to Raquel Welch, who is uh, referred to in this just as Raquel now, not Mrs. Welch or Miss Welch. First name basis. So Raquel has arrived on board the Starship Musica. And in the midst of the final preparations, she starts vamping the Starship commander to gain his confidence. Now, I had to look up what the period correct term or definition of vamping would be, but I think it's... uh, the kind of film definition, which is somebody stalling for time, but it's also flirting or seducing, I think. So in this case, it's probably the seducing part. I mean, I, I just go to the vastly underrated Grace Jones vampire film, Vamp. So that's <laughs> that's what she's up to. But. Vamp is a new motion picture about young love. Unusual love. Romantic love. Most of all, eternal love. I give you Katrina. My name is Grace Jones, and I am the modern bloodsucker in FAMP. A frightening comedy, rated R. Starts Friday, July 18th at a theater near you. But yeah, it goes on to uh, say R2 and 3PO observe this, and since they are not programmed to know about what she's up to, they tell the commander they must report it to Luke. The commander, who rather enjoyed Raquel's attention, reminds them that they know nothing about the ways of a man and a woman. A little bit of that. How about a special magic in there? Yeah, we just traveled back to the 70s with that paragraph. (laughs) All right, cutting back to the Wookiees. Now that Mala and Chewie know where Lumpy is, Chewie gets the traitor on the wall screen and asks him to bring Lumpy back as soon as possible. The trader may be a little tight and doesn't want to drive, but agrees to deliver Lumpy to the starship, which is closer, and it's heading for the Wookiee planet anyway. So is that another 70s term for having too much to drink, that you were a little tight? It could, it, it could be. We're, we're going into a whole lot of taboos here. No flirting and drunk driving in this original cut. All right, next section. There's an interrupt signal flashed on the screen to the effect that callers are trying to make contact. The traitor's picture is released, and in its place is the Rebel logo, which announces Princess Leia. She appears, delivering a personal message for the holiday to Jabaka and his family. Mala, Ichi, and Chewie are impressed and pleased by the gesture. Leia switches the signal to Luke at another part of the Rebel base, who adds his own greetings and a warning. He has heard from R2 and 3PO that something may be afoot on the Starship Musica. So be careful. Beware, there's flirting going on. <laughs> flirting, drunk driving, a lot, lot happening. But also that Luke and Leia, much like Han, are only being seen on video screens. Which again was this Lucas, like you said, just kind of being like, well, we, don't, we can just film them anywhere. Right. Let's make this about the Wookiees and the stars can take it easy and, and literally phone in their performances. <laughs> So we're back on the Starship Musica, and it says, On board the Starship, something indeed is afoot. Raquel, again, first name basis, under the guise of telling Lumpy a story with dance and gestures about what drives a Starship, dances her way into the power supply room and screws everything up. 
So basically, we're getting the Rick Ollie Anakin scene, but as a song and dance number where she explains how, and these control the pitch. The hyperdrive. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. And she's, she's a song and dance imperial. You know, it was going to happen sooner or later. R2 and 3PO had been following her and immediately called Chewbacca, who is the only one who can possibly pilot the crippled starship. So Chewie leaves home, shuttles to the starship, which by now is very close to the Wookiee planet anyway, and takes the controls. Suddenly Han Solo appears on the control screen, expressing his absolute trust in Chewie's ability to get the ship down safely. And indeed, Chewie does bring the huge ship and its precious cargo to a perfect landing on the Wookiee planet. Sounds like Revenge of the Sith to me. (laughs) Yeah, so Chewbacca would have been flying this like crashing ship we would have had probably some cool late 70s ilm model work going on of a ship landing on kashik we would have had chewbacca in the cockpit of this ship in the late 70s people this would have blown people's minds even with the awkwardness of Raquel Welch as a singing, dancing Imperial and possibly Art Carney drunk driving through space. This would have been some Star Wars. Even if they made this today, it would be incredible. I want to see Chewbacca landing a crashing starship while talking to Han on the video phone. Like, it still would be good. A little screen with, like, puffy hair Harrison Ford on it. He can do it. He's Chewbacca. I don't know. So the last paragraph here is the festival follows and even more honors are accorded to Chewbacca. Even the traitor points out that Chewie has given the galaxy the greatest gift of all, his own talent, courage, and determination. There is a great cheering for Chewie and everyone joins in a final expression of the holiday spirit of the entire galaxy. I don't know. This sounds pretty good. I'm saying it sounds great. To the point, like we said, if they remade this as written today as a new holiday special, it would be amazing. And I kept thinking, I wish they would make a new holiday special and make it animated with a live action Boba Fett short in the middle, (laughs) which would be perfect now that we have Book of Boba on TV. You could just do this as is. All you'd have to do is just say it's Life Day and this is what happened on Kashyyyk on Life Day in between A New Hope and Empire, yeah, and get Tamiel Morrison to do to do a little short and live action. It doesn't even have to be like an action-packed short. It can just be what was going on at Boba's Palace slash Jabba's Palace on Life Day. It could be him putting a tree up. Oh, I found this in the basement. Here we go. I'm going to put it on the top of a little star with my face on it. My palace now. You know, it doesn't have to be 90 minutes. It can just be, you know, 45. It could be an hour. Short and sweet, just like Lumpy. So that five-page outline, I think there's only one person's mind that came from. I think it's pretty clear to everyone that just heard it. We just heard it live. I think it's pretty obvious. They hooked George Lucas up to the mind evaporator, and, and that oozed out onto the page. With help by Lenny Rips and Pat Proft, But yeah, that is, you know, they squeezed that right out of his head. No one else in 1978 had that madness rolling around in their head. It's it's the holiday special that could have been. It could have been real Star Wars. Instead, what we have is the holiday special. And we still, like we said, we still love that for everything it is. 
and you know for for the longest time there was always the joke of George Lucas was trying to track down every VHS tape and just going to try and destroy them all or something and it's great to see the holiday special like we said finally coming back around kind of being accepted as the oddity that it is and it's great it's great to know that it started in a much more Star Wars kind of place and nothing's ever really gone in Star Wars and I wouldn't be surprised if this five-page outline comes back around in some way, shape, or form. I mean, we did get a Lego holiday special, and, you know, Marvel's jumping on board what we're supposed to get a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, so the idea of these holiday specials are kind of, they're coming around, so Star Wars had the original, so maybe, yeah, maybe we'll get another one someday. associate and me to present the Star Wars collection. Truly remarkable toys and games for your children. What are you so excited about now? My goodness, the Star Wars TIE Fighter and X-Wing Fighter. Now your children can relive our great space battles or collect our wonderful Star Wars companions with Kenner's Star Wars action figures. R2, it's a little you. Kenner's new radio-controlled R2-D2 anyone can command. Ah, oh, the Star Wars land speeder that moves like it's floating. And here's Kenner's Death Star space station. Four floors of action. A trash compactor, too. Listen, R2. That's the Star Wars electronic laser battle. A game of speed, reflex, and reaction. These and other toys and games in Kenner's Star Wars collection are sold separately. Batteries are not included. May the force be with you and your children. and creature performer details from a few of these Star Wars movies set in a galaxy far, far away. And you're listening to Blast Points Podcast with Jason and Gabe. May the Force be with you. And these... Last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. So, folks, you know the deal with Apple Podcast Reviews. When you get done listening to this episode, go over there, write a little something nice. It helps the show. It helps more people find Blast Points when they're looking for Star Wars podcasts. And we really love reading your reviews. We really, really do. And make sure you check out our website, BlastPointsPodcast.com. And you're following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, make sure you're in the Super Chill group where there is lots of holiday special talk. If you want to support the show in a different way, we've got the Blast Points Army on Patreon. 
tons of bonus episodes starting before you know it. There's going to be weekly Book of Boba episodes over there on the Patreon. And because it's the holidays and the holiday special and all about giving thanks, we got to give a huge thank you to the new members of the Blast Points Army. Tim, Faye, Jay, Dan, Mike, James, Ben, John, Laura, Nathan, and Logan. Thank you all so much, and I hope you all are enjoying all the fun bonus stuff over there. And yeah, thank you to all the members of the Blast Points Army. We, I don't know, we just appreciate each and every one of you and your support so much. And a special thanks to Nick Tierce, Super Blast Points fan, for helping us with some research on this, sending some great articles our way. Yeah, if you don't follow Nick on Twitter, he is a holiday special guru of information. And yeah, his, his input into this episode was invaluable. So yeah, so thank you, Nick. And much like Chewbacca heading home for Life Day, we are heading home for the Thanksgiving holiday next week. So there will be no new episode. Sorry. But you can print out a picture of us and put it in a shiny space frame and put it on your mantle and talk to it next Tuesday uh, if that's what you need to do to get through the week. Yeah, we're going to be crash landing the Starship Musica to, to make it home in time. Yeah, we will be back on December 7th with the final indie year of 2021. Look forward to that. What could it be about? Is there an Indiana Jones movie we still haven't talked about yet on indie year? I want to know. Look forward to that on December 7th. But that about wraps up number 292 here. The holiday special that could have been, I don't know. I feel like I'm a whole new person now. I just want to work out a song and dance routine for when my kids learn how to drive to teach them all about how cars work. Yep. You got time to think about it. So You could just learn how to drive or I could sing and dance and show you. So, all right, folks, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Bye-bye. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. starring Linda Carter and Incredible Hulk starring Bill Bixby will return at their regular times next Friday evening on most of these stations.